Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey everyone, Dr. Scott here. I want to hop on real quick before we start with today's episode and let you know that our next 10-day challenge event registration link is live. It is found in the show notes for the dates and additional information. You can also go to www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. That is www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. And now to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I am here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing great, man. Uh, I absolutely am excited about the conversation today. Mm -hmm. Um, This article that we came across, which is a monster, uh, but I think it's going to have some really cool uh, action steps and some takeaways. Um, And it almost feels like something we could have been a part of uh, when you read the introduction. So I'm going to start with that as the framework and kind of drop the bomb in your lap. And then I want to see kind of where the conversation goes. But I know that we have a couple really good um, action steps are going to come out of this um, in terms of applying this to the fasting friendly lifestyle, the insulin friendly lifestyle, the lifestyle that you and I you know, live and breathe every single day and the conversations mm-hmm. that we have with the people that are inside of our, inside of our circle. Yeah. And, and this is one that, that really struck some chords with me um, just going through it year after year after year, a lot of calorie counting, a lot of, um, you know, going on and off the, the diet roller coaster and the, you know, the diet and exercise and just not, not really understanding why I couldn't get a grasp on, on the scale and on my overall health. And um, I, I, I just, this one really just hit me, hit me hard. Yeah, there's a few underlying themes here. We're going to, we're going to, you know, have the, uh, the conversation around choices, right? We're going to have the conversation around moving uh, toward or away from your goal. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like the, the first sentence of the introduction. I'm just going to read it. The perpetual diet wars between factions promoting low carb, keto, paleo, high protein, low fat, plant-based, vegan, and seemingly endless list of other diets has led to substantial public confusion and mistrust in nutrition science. If I could not have, I could not have articulated that better. And this is something that you and I talk a lot about with people that come into our Facebook groups and send us messages from the podcast. And like, I just want to put my hands up and yell preach because, you know, we, we don't even during our challenges, we don't even talk about like food. We don't even really want to talk about food in the beginning because what we're focusing on is, the um, the the timing and the 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 other things that come along with starting something new like fasting, um, so the food part is really almost like a secondary piece. Like we need to set the windows and talk about hunger cues and things that you can expect right. to feel and experience over the first twenty four, forty eight, seventy two couple first weeks. You're going through the process, but you know, you and I, I've done all of these except the the plant based and I did do plant based for a couple of weeks. Uh, in vegan, 
Um, you know, you can add in like carnivore, you can add in whole thirties, you can add in, you know, Mm -hmm. 21 day fixes and 28 day resets and all this other stuff. What I really like about the article is that they framed it in a way where, um, they were looking at the conversation around processed versus unprocessed foods, excuse me, ultra processed versus, uh, unprocessed foods. Yeah. And you know, when we, when we talk about that, you know, matching up the, the foods for the calories and for the energy that comes in with them, but basically like putting, putting this, the subjects into a, a fairly controlled environment, but just giving them, you know, access to these meals and then tracking their weight over a two week period and then, and then flipping them into the other group. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really well controlled study and this is a new one too, uh, from 2021. And, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more about, you know, some of the mistrust that's out there and the reason why we don't go into just the, the food specifics, especially in the very beginning, um, it, you know, in an environment like the challenge is because, you know, most of us who've battled with this stuff, uh, we've spent a lot of time um, trying to, to, to kind of piece together together the the food equation and the calories and tracking the macros and all that kind of stuff, but still not getting where we wanted to, to go. So the more time we spend on that is is just is not getting at the root of the problem when um, oftentimes just controlling the meal timing uh, as as the first main lever that we pull and then tweaking, you know, what we're eating and the composition um, to support those goals, you know, is, is usually a much better way to, to get there, especially when we haven't had success in the past, right? Yeah. And a lot of that food composition stuff and those decisions really comes down to the habits, right? So <clears throat> we're going to talk about, you know, ultra processed foods, things like fast foods and prepackaged foods and all that kind of thing um, compared to, you know, unprocessed, which is stuff you, you know, you kind of more make in your own kitchen. You go buy the ingredients from the outside of the grocery store, you come home and you make the meal. Right. Uh, but I like the way, so I want to set a couple of frameworks up here in terms of what the study and how it was set up. And this is out of the Journal of Cell Metabolism. Um, and they, the, they match the meals for calories, um, which was big, uh, for energy density, macronutrients, sugar, sodium, and fiber. And these were weight-stable people. So these not, were not people that have any type of weight loss resistance or insulin resistance or the yo-yo dieting kind of history. Mm-hmm. These were uh, people that were, that had weight stability. Um, and uh, I, the average BMI in the group was 27, right? So we're not talking about, you know, a lot of the studies that we reference that come that talk about insulin resistance and, and diabetes and those types of things study right. the higher BMI groups. Right. So I really like that energy but looking at these two groups, just right off the bat, you know, you had said that they go through two weeks. So they were, they were split into two groups, the ultra processed or the unprocessed group, and then they flip, they swap it. Right. Mm -hmm. So each group goes through two weeks, which I thought was really cool. And, um, you know, one of the main takeaways, you know, was that they were trying to find out, um, cause there is no, uh, proven, um, causation yet, in nutrition research where it shows that ultra processed foods lead to obesity. Right. Right. So they were starting to, to kind of go down this new path of, of, of looking at it where, you know, thinking that limiting the consumption of ultra processed foods may be an effective strategy for obesity prevention and treatment. And when we talk about obesity, that's when we get into the, 
you know, the blood sugar, the comorbidities, the heart disease, and all those other different types of things that come along with having that extra weight, you know, on the, on the body. Yeah. And, um, much like they allude to in the study, um, when, when any of us, you know, kind of gets up the, the momentum and the gumption to kind of start a new weight loss and a new diet plan, um, when you get to that frustration point, like it might be a new high that you just saw on the scale or some like a favorite piece of clothing that now doesn't fit quite right. And you just get to that frustration point and, and then you say, okay, well, I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything different now. Like one of the, the first things that we, we always tend to just intuitively do is, is cut away the, the super ultra processed stuff. Like, you know, if you're, if you're used to going to fast food restaurants or, you know, eating certain kinds of food um, at a restaurant, you know, you, you tend to kind of cut those things away as like obvious culprits. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's no, there's not really definitive research that says exactly why those are, you know, so effective to cut away. I mean, obviously they're, they're, a, they're a, a part of the equation, but um, you know, like you said, this, this study is, you know, going to, look for some specific reasons, some, some causation um, behind it, which I think is really important. Yeah. And that was, so, and one of the things they looked at that I liked the framing of was the rise in obesity and type two diabetes occurs in a parallel with the increasingly like industrialized ultra processed food system that we have. Right. Mm -hmm. So large scale production, high yield, inexpensive, you know, um, you know, the corn, soy, and wheat families of foods, they're refined, they're processed. So they, they, they have this ultra abundance, right? Yeah. So there is just to be clear again, you know, the, the, the thought process behind it was, you know, there is no causal relationship so far between ultra processed food consumption and the obesity side of things. So the study was really designed to con- conduct a randomized controlled trial, looking at the effects of ultra versus unprocessed but this is the key part, which I really like, is um, with with the ad the beatum part of the energy intake, with the liberty and the choice to eat, mm-hmm. um, you know, within a certain time window. So each of the meals were matched. They were presented three meals, and they all had um, you know a sixty minute time window. And what was shown is that the ad the beatum group, I mean, excuse me, the the ultra process group consumed, um, you know. Uh, 500 more calories on average than the, um, than the unprocessed group. Yeah. And, you know, at at first when I was, when I was thinking about it and reading through the article, um, it kind of brought me back to, you remember in the movie, supersize me where, where uh, Morgan Spurlock, right. He, he he goes and then he's, you know, he's having um, fast food. Uh, I believe it was McDonald's every day for, you know, uh, two or three meals a day, you know, for a month. And then, you know, he's a, a human science experiment uh, looking to see what was going to happen. But um, you know, that, that's not realistic where, where most people aren't eating, you know, that much fast food. And so it, it felt it, it was interesting, but it, it didn't seem didn't so seem real life. Right, right. Yeah. And, but in, in this study, what they, what they point out too now is that the, the actual majority of calories that are consumed in the United States now fall under the ultra processed category. So it's not necessarily that they're just straight from fast food, but they do fall into the ultra processed category. So that, so they are, you know, mimicking the majority of calories um, and, and how they're kind of consumed um, at, at this point in time. So that is, that is close to real life there. Yeah. And one extra piece is that, and that, you know, the majority of calories consumed are the ultra processed category, like you just said, but they've also been associated with very poor health outcomes. So it's mm-hmm. like, 
kind of almost seems like a no brainer. Like, okay, yeah, well that makes sense. Like you kind of know if they got the super size me guy, like, yeah. Um, I didn't know his name. So when you said that, I agreed with you, but totally was lying in the moment. Um, <laughs> I just remember the construct, <laughs> not good with names and faces like that. Um, yeah. but you know, that, that there is that, that, uh, increased health effect, right? The poor health outcome, obesity, type two diabetes, and all the complications that come with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, it was interesting, you know, looking at the, the, um, the fact that the processed meals had a higher carb and fat content, not protein. And the ultra processed group gained, you know, anywhere between 0.9 plus or minus 0.3 kilograms. So that's anywhere between two to two and a half pounds. And then the non lost the exact same amount, but on the other end, right? Right. And that's typically what you'll see in like a new four week, I'm going to, you know, eat less, move more, swap out the Chick-fil-A for the homemade chicken salad, right? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting about the the caloric density and, and how people, because they had the same amount of time, right? So the fact that this, you had mentioned something about the speed of eating, right? Like right. it's really easy to consume three pieces of pizza in five minutes and Mm -hmm. versus eating the big, uh, you know, grilled chicken cob salad. Like, right. You're, you're going to be there for a little while with the, with the cob salad. And Mm -hmm. it's going to have, you know, a much different, um, you know, con, uh, uh, macro, uh, split than looking at the pizza. And it reminds me there's, I have a colleague who's out there and he, he's, he's not a big salad guy, but upon request of his wife, he's doing, these salad reviews. So he's going around to all of these different places. And the other day he was about to eat this salad and he was like, Oh, this is a big, scary bite. Like there was a bunch (laughs) of like stuff on there that he doesn't normally eat and he ate it and he's just sitting there chewing and chewing and chewing. So (laughs) the, 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 the caloric density, yes, but also the speed at which we can intake those increased calories. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently, um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old, has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child, and we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? an air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. 
So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. It was really, really interesting because what I expected the research article to say was that, well, it, it's hyper palatable, right? Where where people would say that they enjoyed the ultra process a little bit more and it was less filling, so they ate more of it, but they, they didn't find that at all. But what right. they what they found when they measured the actual eating and how did how did additional calories come in? You had a five hundred calorie difference um between what, what people were eating on 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 the two sides of it. And, and so what they found was um, a much higher number of calories, you know, per gram or per bite and more bites per minute, like a faster rate of consumption. So it's literally just the fact that that processing, like that, that mechanical industrial processing that happens to the food, that's happening before it actually gets to us and to our plate. So we don't need to process it as much when we're actually eating it. It's already done for us. It's kind of like drinking your smoothie versus, you know, chewing on, you know, the berries and the greens that go into it. We don't have to do that. So we can intake a whole bunch of it, you know, a lot faster. And b- before it actually has a chance to tell us that we're full and we, we need to stop eating. Yeah. We're going to, I want to talk about some outcomes of the study too. So, you know, the, the insulin secretion, the blood sugar, um, the body composition, right. Body energy stores, which was a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the the part of the speed, but also the the convenience of it. Right. So, the consumer choices, it did not, this was in a, you know, a lab setting. So it didn't allow for the consumer choice to set in. And that's going to relate to one of the takeaways, Tommy, in kind of, you know, if the scale's stuck and you're not getting the results, well, first of all, that we'll talk about fasting and how you can skip a meal and just stack the deck in your favor, but that cost versus convenience. So they looked at the the cost of it too. And the ultra process was less at $106 mm-hmm. for the three meals. And the un was 151. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll hear people say, well, I, I, eating healthy is expensive. Well, yeah, it is. And if you want to level, just kind of take that excuse or reason, I should say, out of the way, um, then skip a meal. Start intermittent fasting, right? And only eat two, and then you're going to level the playing field there, and you'll be at the same. Absolutely. Um, you know, because, you know, uh, a dollar menu at Wendy's, yeah, it's a dollar mm-hmm. menu. But you get what you pay for, right? It tastes mm-hmm. really good in the moment, but moment. I just like that comparison, too, about – the consumer choice, and then also the cost associated with it. Yeah, the the back end cost is there too, because you know you might save money now on the on the dollar menu, but the, you know the cost of insurance and, and healthcare later on is is right. exponentially higher, right? Um, so you know just just understanding that yes, ultra processed foods can be more appealing in the moment. The you know the the price tag alone can can scare us away from some of the some of the better foods, and you know going towards more of the the ultra processed ones, but, but understanding that. And like you said, you know, using, using fasting, 
knowing that you don't have to necessarily intake as many meals. So the grocery bill can go down, um, you know, means that you can kind of level the playing field. So I, I really love that perspective. And the opportunity to just have one less decision to make throughout the day. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I liked, I liked one of the takeaways, which was, you know, framing this in a way that, you know, that one thing, if you, if, if your life doesn't involve the ability to have the Chick-fil-A um, or the, the family pizza night or the, you know, the summertime, you know, it's starting to warm up a lot. Well, it's been warm here in Texas for a while, but it's starting to warm up for a lot of people. Snow's melting, right? It's like, oh, summer's coming. So, all right, yeah, let's go get the ice cream, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it, it, the thing that normally would throw you off track in the past for me, those foods, right? The, the, the beer in my younger college days, the beer and wings, mm-hmm. uh, the pizza, the barbecue, like whatever it was in the different seasons of life, you know, framing it so you know that, um, you know, you have less eating opportunities throughout the week, less decisions to be made um, between the ultra processed and the, and the, you know, the eating at home type scenario, um, but really framing it that, you know, putting it, making sure that you have that stuff included and something to look forward to rather than having to make that decision in the moment. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, you know, when you, you mentioned pizza there and it, it just keeps reminding me, like, I remember tracking the calories of some slices of pizza, like literally putting it into my app. And it, it's such an, it's such an exercise in futility though, um, because it, it only took a couple of minutes to eat that slice of pizza. But for me to try to burn it, burn those calories on the back end without using a tool like intermittent fasting, um, you know, I could go run five miles and go burn, you know, an extra. No, you can't. Yeah. Uh, but even if I could, um, you know, then, I mean, then I didn't mean now I meant back then. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to burn an additional, maybe 300 calories versus if I had just been sitting on the couch basically. Um, so that might've been one of those pieces of pizza, but, um, honestly, what I, what I should have done would be skip lunch going into it beforehand and probably skip breakfast, you know, the, the following day too, for, you know, to make up for the additional calories that I brought in. So, um, it, it just, just understanding that, that time works in your favor and, and time is, is one of your most powerful tools that you have, for, um, for this stuff and for, for kind of balancing some of the, the processing and the ultra processing that we have in our food supply, um, I, I think is, is just a huge point. Yeah. And there was some interesting data that came out of the study too, in regards to like, um, in regards to the energy stores. So I like the framing of this where we're looking at, you know, moving towards or farther away from our goal, long-term goal. Anybody can lose 10 or 20 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. It's keeping it off and having the lifestyle habits and mindset to, you know, live that way and build that stuff kind of into your day-to-day life. And that's why fasting we feel is one of the best tools and why we don't subscribe to just one type of fasting for everybody or one food choice, you menu choice for everybody or one lifestyle choice. But I like the fact that, um, you know, when they did the W labeled water, uh, body composition testing, um, they were looking at, um, you know, using the body composition measurements to uh, determine the body energy stores. This is something we talk a lot about when we talk about glycogen and, you know, getting into a fat burning state, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they were comparing the two, the ultra versus the unprocessed, the ultra increased body energy stores increased by 300 kilocals um, during the two weeks that they were eating the ultra processed diet and decreased by 220. So over a 500 per day. That's yeah. 
per day. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which equals what over a month, right? If we extrapolate those body energy stores and the glycogen stores, that's that within that three to five to seven pound Mm -hmm. range, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, extrapolate, you know, the, that month out into a year. And then you're, you're potentially talking about 20, 30, 40 pounds worth of worth of difference there from storing fat being in fat storage mode versus actually burning through it. And I, I, that's, 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 it's, it's almost unfathomable, but it, it, it makes, it makes sense, you know, based on how, how we take in, you know, 500 calorie difference, you know, in, in one day, just from how quickly we can, we can get through those calories and we can actually ingest those calories and, and then just extrapolate that over time. And, and that's, that's a lot of how we, we actually accumulate weight over time. Yeah. And it was interesting on the, on the blood sugar side of things, <clears throat> you know, when they were looking at the outcomes of looking at testing insulin and glucose, there wasn't really much change. There was a slightly, um, you know, a slight elevation in the daily glucose levels, uh, but not in the fasting glucose or the uh, insulin resistant tests. And that goes back to the situation where, um, you know, we're looking at a really short term kind of goal. The HbA1c isn't done every every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a fasting, you know, blood glucose test is really an indication of kind of where you are over the last 30, 60, 90 days. Um, so it's that whole rust on a bumper example that we use a lot where, and I think it was Dr. Fungu who used that where it really clicked for me yeah. where, you, you know, if you just put metal in water for a day or two, you're not really going to see much change. If you leave it there over the next, you know, six weeks to six months to six years, you're going to start to see that, that water causes the, the rust on that metal. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, it made sense that there was not a big difference in the, um, day-to-day blood sugar levels, or even in the insulin resistance over the course of the, the four weeks. Yeah. What was interesting though, to me was um, the appetite suppressing hormone, PYY, um, increased during the unprocessed diet, right? Mm-hmm. As compared yeah. to both the ultra process and the baseline group. And also the hunger hormone ghrelin was decreased in the unprocessed diet compared to the baseline. So now we're getting somewhere where it's like, okay, is there some proof or causality between the hyperpalatability of the food and the texture of the food and maybe the emotional component attached to those foods that you like to indulge in, right? Or take a diet break from, or, mm-hmm. you know, treat yourself type of mentality. So there, there comes into that component of like the emotional mental side of it too, but it's rooted in physiology. So we saw here in this challenge that, I mean, in this, um, in this study, um, that those things were decreased. So decreased hunger, great. And um, your appetite suppressing hormone telling your body to stop, you don't need anymore was actually increased. Yeah. And, and, and that gets to the point where, you know, we have some powerful mechanisms in the body. There's a, there's a, a gut brain, you know, connection that's really, really strong to, to tell us when we're full, when we have all the nutrients that we need, when we're, when it's, when we're ready to stop eating. Um, but what, what we see and what we intuitively know, as well as, you know, what, what was shown in this study was that, um, you know, the more ultra processed foods bypass our, our actual, um, you know, mechanisms, our physiological mechanisms in the body to actually um, help control the amount of calories and, and how much food we're actually ingesting. So, so uh, I, I think, I think that goes hand in hand. And, and again, a lot of the things that we just intuitively kind of know, like, like just cutting out the ultra processed foods and the fast foods 
um, whenever we're, we're on a, on a diet or a quote unquote health kick. Um, you know, if it's, if it's kind of a, a, a diet roller coaster time, there, there are real, uh, reasons for these things. Yeah. And I like the way that you framed, um, kind of the, the biggest takeaway or the biggest action step, you know, from just looking at this overall, there were some things that, you know, really made sense to us and aligned with kind of how we present the insulin friendly lifestyle and yeah. fasting. Um, and they even say, you know, um, you know, eliminating ultra processed foods from the diet decreases the energy intake and results in weight loss. Like, right. Like we right. kind of, right. you can kind of surmise that. So how do we then apply it with what we're teaching? Yeah. I mean, you know, integrating, integrating what we see here and what we intuitively know and, you know, kind of reconcile, reconciling that with, with fasting, um, you know, as an action step, as a takeaway, um, I'm going to encourage everyone to, you know, take the, the next time you have something that's like one of your, your favorite things, or maybe it's an indulgence of, of some kind, or there's a social gathering, um, maybe you're going on vacation, um, you know, have a plan going into that where you, you put a little bit more time separation, you know, going up, leading up into that meal and, and maybe coming off of uh, after that meal as well. Give yourself a little bit more time to kind of burn through those additional calories that you brought in um, so that you can level the playing field and kind of, um, you know, tip the scale back in your favor and, and keep things moving in the right direction versus um, where we know the, the ultra processed foods tend to push us in the wrong direction more. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that framing. Love it. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, if you have been with us for a while, then you know that um, fasting has been an, an incredible, had an incredible impact on our lives. Um, and if you've been on this journey with us, uh, we hope that you continue. Uh, if you're new to fasting and you want to learn more about what it is that we believe about what breaks a fast and how to fast and how to put fasting into your day-to-day -day life, you can uh, join our free Facebook group, Fasting for Life Community, or you can go to our website and download the free Fast Start Guide. This is framed around putting one meal a day fasting into your life. Uh, it is www.thefastingforlife.com. Sign up for our newsletter. And Tommy, as always, I uh, appreciate your time, sir, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to head over to register for the next 10-day live fasting challenge. Registration is now open. It can be found at www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. That is www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. For dates and more information, you can find the link in today's show notes, and we will see you on the inside. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. 